I don't know if I really care if our guests use their cell phone or not while we're on like someone was complaining in the YouTube comments that Jason Hopper was texting or using a cell phone, like a 20 something. I mean, I understand why they're upset, but like, I don't care. Like I'm 49. Maybe if, if you would asked me when I was 39, I would have had kind of like that, still that judgment of the world. And maybe care that the younger generation does that shit. I shouldn't even say it like that. Even fucking people our age do that shit. Uh, when, we at, started, when, we, when we first go. started doing these, I was like super conscious about not doing that. Like to the uh -huh. point where I was turn my phone off airplane mode. I hate it when the beep comes on the computer. So I oh, I love that. I fucking hate it. Uh, and, uh, it reminds then, me that I have friends. It just reminds me I have friends. But then we were on one episode and you're like, I don't care if you use your cell phone when we're on here. And so I was like, oh, I guess he doesn't care. Maybe I should use it. Maybe they seem more important if I use it. Like I had all these thoughts, you know? Oh, I like that. I, it's kind of funny. Like if you're listening to a show and then you hear someone's cell phone go off and you think it's yours. Yeah. I liked, um, I like, there was a comment in the YouTube section. I go through all the comments in the YouTube section, always looking for the good mama joke. Like I'm always wanting like someone to say something so I can say, yeah, so is your mama. But yeah, I know. I, I noticed. <laughs> but someone someone wrote that they're obsessed with your voice. I'm going to start working on my voice too. I mean, that's a I think if there's one person who said they're obsessed with your voice, that means there's probably You know, I get I get questions all the time about where my accent is from, and I never mm -hmm. got questions about that until I lived in the Dominican Republic. After I came back from that, people asked me all the time, and I I, I don't even I never know what to say. I'm like, it's just my voice. It's funny that that's the way they word it to you. When they ask me about your accent, they just say, Hey, does he have a speech impediment? <laughs> Set myself up for that. <laughs> okay. We don't have time to fuck around. Uh, so I'm drinking coffee today. It's the first time I've had coffee in a long time. I said wow. I was going to go a year. I failed. I'm okay with that. Anyway. So Brian is at the West coast classic, um, in Las Vegas, super hot, uh, super competitive field. And uh, today's day three, but it's early in the morning. I got up super early. So did Brian. So we're, Brian's going to give you a rundown. I'm going to try to stay quiet. Oh, yeah. People told me I need to talk louder. What the fuck? No one's ever told me that my whole life. Okay, Brian, go. Uh, let's do men, men first. First place, Cole Sager. Second place, Sean Sweeney. No Olsen. Brandon Luckett fourth. Dallin Pepper. That's kind of yoked out of his mind. Uh, Will Morad uh, in sixth. Okay, so what's going on? Spencer Pancheck in ninth. Yeah, so basically those top six guys are all very good. And the, all six of them would do great at the games. Um, Cole Sager, without a doubt, has been the most impressive. I mean, I think almost everyone would have projected Noah to win this, this semifinal. And he's been fine, but Noah's been a lot better. You mean Cole has been a lot better? Yeah, sorry. Cole has been a lot better. Dominating. 464 points versus Noah's 372. Yeah, and Sweeney's 393. So uh, the most impressive thing to me was uh, actually for both Cole and Sean was the ruck run yesterday. Um, they just, you know, looked like guys who knew how to manage an event that is honestly a games event. You know, that's, you're not going to see an event like that that often. It's something other than the games. They tracked down a young kid who is tall and a very good runner in James Sprague um, and basically said, like, you know, this is how it's done. Um, so, yeah, I've been super, super impressed with, with Cole. Sean, Noah, I think these guys will be fine. All three of those guys should be fine to make the games. The next three guys is where it's... Holy going. shit. Sorry to interrupt. Is this... Is that two hours and 54 minutes? Yeah. How long? 
Oh no. Okay. I'm looking at the length of duration of, okay, never mind. Sorry. I was, what event? Yeah. How long was the ruck run? Uh, 31 minutes. Okay. Still long as shit. Okay. It took me 43 minutes. I'm actually not not upset about that. Wow. Good job. Uh, How, how heavy was the ruck? They wore a 20 pound ruck for the entire run. Uh, in the first lap, they only had that. In the second lap, they picked up a 20-pound bag. In the third lap, they dropped the 20 and picked up a 30-pound bag. And these weren't bags that went in the ruck. They were like additional weights they had to carry on their shoulders. And then the final lap, they still had the 20-pound ruck, this time with a 40-pound bag. Where do they put the 40-pound bag? On their shoulder? Yeah, I mean, holding it like this with both both sides of it draped around and like your fingers loosely around the handles is by far the best way to hold it. I mean, it's uncomfortable, but it's definitely the best way. Is that the year Matt Fraser had it like just fall out of his backpack or something? Is that that event? Yeah. And so the, you know, Ruck reevaluated several things since then in the last two years. They've reconfigured their bags. They've made them a little more comfortable. And this event, they didn't have to open it and put different objects into it. Instead, they had one fixed object and then added weight externally every round. And this kid, James Sprague, you're talking about, he he's an 18th overall now and he took second place. And you're saying that... Oh my goodness! And Cole took first. You're saying that James and so and Sweeney took third. They sandwiched them. Okay, Sprague would be a lot higher in the in the rankings, but he had uh, actually a great learning opportunity for him on the rope climb workout. He's six three or six four. He's very good. He's been at the games as a teenager twice. Um, he's the same age as Dallin Pepper and Tudor Magda. There's three like nineteen year old guys in this field that are all very good. But he had a couple no reps on the rope climb for not showing control on the way down. He's an incredibly good mental attitude, like very positive. He recovered. I mean, he accepted it for what it was and moved on. So he'd be doing a lot better without that. But he was in the lead for almost that entire event. And there were these group of five men chasing him down. Um, Chris Hinshaw called it like on the the start of the third lap. He's like, the the strength of the pack is scary. Someone's going to catch him. And they did. And it was cool. Oh, that's a beautiful line by Chris. The strength of the pack is scary. Um, and, and you know James Sprague is young because his picture and his profile is um, his like high school graduation with his dad. That's awesome. I love it. Okay. Uh, so what I do we- say was these next three guys, Brandon Luckett, mm-hmm. Dallin Pepper, and Will Morad, I think okay. that two, of, two of those guys will get the last three spots today, and it's probably going to come down to the strict deficit handstand push-ups. Because all three guys are going to be strong enough to do 15 muscle ups and the squat clean ladder, and obviously there'll be you know margins of points to be won there. But Dallin Pepper's six one or six two two fifteen. Brandon Luckett is over six. He's six one also over two hundred pounds, and he has a wrist injury and an elbow injury that he's not trying to navigate through the weekend. So that's those, for both of those guys. That is not a great movement right now. Will so what, when you say injury, what do you mean? What's Brandon Luckett like? Like. He, like he scraped his arm skateboarding no. like my son or what? <laughs> he had something wrong with his wrist coming into the weekend. or That's what I've been told at least. And the snatch workout, he actually posted on his Instagram yesterday. He did a snatch and his elbow just kind of bent the wrong way. And he f- immediately dropped it, fell back, was grabbing his elbow. I mean, I thought he was done for the weekend. So the fact that he's bounced back from that and done as well as he did, he finished yesterday really strong with an impressive event win coming out of the second heat on the, the last event. Um, Which, what was the last event? It was a regional finale from 2017. It was 30 cows on the bike, 20 burpee box jump overs, 10 D-ball cleans at 150. He was unbroken. He moved fast. and He, um, he was faster than the fastest guy from, from four years ago, uh, who also had a really fast time. I mean, it was, it was a, there's not a lot of margin in that workout for the top guys. Like 
Cole, so you're uh, saying he injured himself in, in what event? Did you see him grab his arm? Event. Yeah, the very first. And then now in an event one, two, three, four, in event five, he won. He took first place. After injuring himself, he's gone sixth, fifth, ninth, and first. So he's been Ooh. very good. And I mean, look, what I'm saying is all six of these guys are good enough to compete at the games, but one of them is not going to get a spot today. This guy, Brandon Luckett, we're talking about in, in the first event, the one you're saying that he might have injured himself, that he grabbed his arm. He took 22nd, and it says cap plus one. What does that mean? That he got DNF'd? He didn't finish? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was the heavy snatch ladder, so he had one snatch left, and he didn't hit it. Okay. It, are there any other um, – oh, and these events are exclusive to the – West Coast, West Coast Classic. But what I was going to ask you is, has anyone else made it to the games who DNF this year? I oh, guess I can uh, still ask you that. I, uh, well, DNF. I mean, the thing is about DNF. So, like, Danny Spiegel didn't finish the ruck run yesterday, and she is also in a game spot. But I okay. talked to the competition director. There was no minimum work requirement for those for that workout. So that's always a question when, when you're running a competition. What's the minimum work requirement? And if you fail to meet it, what does it mean for you going forward in the competition? Are you removed from the competition? Can you not win the competition? Like a couple of years ago at the Rogue Invitational, Laura Horvath didn't meet the minimum work requirement in a strict deficit handstand push-up workout, or maybe it was a parallel kipping, whatever. And she just she could continue to compete. She just was ranked last. Uh, let me ask you this: This has fallen into the weeds, and we don't have time for this bullshit. Sorry. But I'm going to ask. But I'm going to ask you anyway. It's not. It's my fault. Um, I like the idea of having a minimum work requirement at the CrossFit Games. I get it. I don't know if I'd like that in the semifinals event. I mean, I think. Or do I have that ass backwards? Maybe it should be at the semifinals event and not at the games. I think. Help me with this one. Yeah, no, I, I don't think there's a clear answer to that. And there hasn't been a clear answer to it, you know, ever. Sometimes they show up and sometimes they don't. It's oftentimes the competition director's programming style. I think when Dave was programming the regionals, which were the, you know, for so long were the the barrier to get to the games, you know, because it was only one guy and it was a uniform uh, program across the whole workout. He was very intentional about that. This is just, I think, something that needs to be ironed out next year uh, amongst several other things, which we should probably talk about after semifinals finish. What are best practices for semifinals as a qualifier for the games, especially once they can all be live competition? We're going to give that information away free. Shouldn't people have to like hire, like contact me and then I let them talk to you? I let you out of your little box I keep you in and be like, hey, God, I thought you were just wearing a yarmulke for a second, but it must have been just a light. I like the two hours a day when you let me out of the box. Yeah. Um, what is the point of, of minimum work requirement? Is it so that people don't game workouts or is it so that you don't end up with someone who gets to the games who can't snatch? I mean, yeah. What's the point of it? Well, if you can't snatch, you're probably not going to make it anyway right? Because you're going to do so poorly on enough number of events. It's, I think it's for to competition and entertainment. You don't want to see people on the floor just not trying. That's not fun and it's not a good representation of the sport. And you also don't want to see people who, um, you know, at the, at the highest level, they can't do certain skills. So uh, you're so saying that the integrity of the sport is being compromised by entertainment and whatever the other word you did. Because the goal of the games is from my understanding is to find the fittest human on the planet. And so, yeah, but you want to find the fittest human on the planet and you all, and you also want them to do it against the, the most competitive field. If you're not competing against the best, how can you say you're the best? So what is it? So the question, the overarching question is how do we get the best to the games? 
But there's other there's other elements that have entered the comp- the conversation over the years. We also want to represent the global community. We also want to be. Oh, that makes positive. me sick. That vomit. Those two I'm, make me vomit. I'm just saying this is. This I'm is not it. hating the messenger. I'm just telling yeah. you. And we also want to make the sport marketable. So we want it to be digestible for the live audience and the audience that's tuning in from where they, we are. They all, everyone just has to take their shirt off and we check that box. Marketable. <laughs> Done. Yeah, but if they're not doing anything when they take their shirt off, except for just standing there. Yeah, that you're right. That's not good. Then you need, if you're going to be naked, you need to be doing something. Someone go to a bodybuilding competition. Have you, um, have you heard that, that description of CrossFit games before that it's really just the worst porn in the world? It's yeah. just really shitty. Oh, <laughs> I don't think that's my line. I probably just use it once a week and I forget. Okay, so uh, back to the men here um, before we switch to the women. You're saying that one of these three, four, fifth, and six are going to make it. It's Brandon Luckett with 357 points, Dallin Pepper with 357 points, and in sixth place, Will Morad with 352 points. So those five points are just negligible. It's basically a three-way tie right now for fourth place. Yeah, I I mean – Look, the three guys ahead of them are, are too good. They're not going to screw up today. Those three guys, I'm expecting Will to beat the other two on the first workout because he's so good at, that, at strict handstand push-ups and nothing else should trip him up. And then it's going to come down to Brandon and Dallin and probably who can do better on the ring muscle-up squat clean ladder to end the weekend, which is fine. I mean, one of them is going to earn it and the other one's going to have to earn it through the last chance qualifier. Can Noah Olsen take first place in no. the... Uh, no. no. In this competition, no. Yeah, how about in any of the last two workouts? Or is there only uh, one yeah, left? He might, oh, no, there's two, two left. left. He might okay. win the push-pull workout today. Yeah. He was, I mean, he was excellent at that seven years ago. He should be great at it. Um, who, has, who, who has the best body out of these guys? The best body of the entire field? No, out of these top six. Like, who looks the best out there? Is it Noah? <laughs> um, if you, it, it, unless you like big guys, then it might be Dallin. Oh yeah, he's huge. How does a nineteen-year-old get that big? That I, I, that's just genetics, man. I mean, you can't, you can't. I could never train and look like that. Ah, just drinking my last sip of coffee just, of my I also first just cup. I want to say, like, despite the fact that it's only six that can make make it at this point, based on the points, there are ten other guys that can be spoilers on the day. They can have great workouts. And, and slap themselves in between there and disrupt the points. Because there are some good guys that have had some unfortunate circumstances this weekend or less than ideal performances that are still very good in these two workouts. Uh, Cole Sager has 464 points. Is each workout 100 points? Yeah. So to give you an idea, um, he's almost 200 points ahead of 12th place. Yeah. <laughs> That's, that's yeah, but, I mean, insane. This is, this is He's killing it. He's yeah. killing it. And what, basically what, I, what, what I've taken away from this weekend when it comes to Cole Sager is he has reasserted himself into a top five conversation when it comes to the games. Is, is this normal for him, 202 pounds, to show up this big? Uh, yeah, I think he's competing at the normal, normal weight he'd usually compete at. But what's not normal for him is to dominate at a, at a semifinal. He's usually scraping to get in from, from the regionals. I watched day one and um, the first event they did the camera. I don't think the camera went on Cole or Noah except for five seconds. Even one of the commentators made a joke at the six minute mark and goes, Oh, look at Noah's here. Like kind of like making fun of themselves because they hadn't shown him yet. 
if you if you see who's in charge of that camera work, would you just go over to them and just like lick your hand and slap the shit out of them for me? Be like, oh, this is from Sevon, nothing personal. I mean, it's crazy. Don't get me wrong. I love the hype around Dallin Pepper. It was so fun watching a new guy come on strong. But there's no context when I can't see Cole Sager and Noah Olson. I mean, I mean, hey, yeah, yeah, yeah. They're, you know, they're that, the, great, that is a great point right there. If you're just watching down in isolation, you don't realize, holy shit, he's beating these guys in a heavy snatch ladder by over a minute. These guys that have been on the podium at the games, that have been top five at the games, that have won sanctional events, that are perennial contenders. And there's in the past, I've made some, uh, I don't want to say excuses, but maybe justifications for the floor layout or whatever else. This is the best floor I've ever seen. I think it's slightly less long than the old regional floor. It's a perfect width and length to be able to tell every story, whether you're live or at home. And I don't see, you know, unless they're like short on budget and don't have enough cameras, there's no reason they shouldn't be able to tell the story very well with what's here. But I haven't watched any of the broadcasts yet. I, I'll, usually, I'll watch that this week. Right now. Let me just say that, let, let's just say, and I'm making this completely up, that 50% of the people who are watching, no, let's say not, 100% of the people who are watching know who Cole Sager and Noah Olson is. And let's say 50% love them and 50% hate them. That means that regardless, you're invested in to seeing them lose or to see them win. And to not show them is complete. It, 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 it's yeah, it's and insanity. And it, and it only hurts Dallin Pepper. I mean, don't get me, I love the fact that they focused on him. It was really cool. But like, it, it, yeah, it's no, just but you're it's, watching, it's, it's nuts to me. It's the first event of the weekend. You want to hook people in. You want to draw. Yeah. them. you're not going to show the two two most popular guys in the competition. And one of Noah's great. The, one of the, some of the greatest shots of Noah are right before the competition. He gets really pensive. He he gets really just like like that first thirty seconds. I, I remember. I can picture it in my head now when he's when he gets out there onto the floor. He's he's like the space shuttle right before it takes off. I mean, he, you know, he, he's he's. Uh, I saw that in him yesterday, right before the Triple G chipper. He looked focused, and I was like, "Oh my god!" And did he win it? Yeah, yeah. I mean, he's just full thrusters on, and he gets all fucking agitated. He's like a pit bull, just like waiting to be led into the dog park and take someone's tennis ball. I mean, and actually, him and Cole both have this characteristic: they're very generous and kind humans off the competition floor. But when they take that starting mat and they get ready to compete, it's a they flip the switch. Yeah, yeah, I agree. Um, did you, did you mention yesterday when I was texting you, you were saying that there was some, uh, I don't know, controversy is too strong, but you were saying that one of the avoids events, there was something great to talk about. Do, do you remember that? What it was? Uh, one of the, you don't, you don't know which event? No, I don't. And ma- maybe, maybe it's about the Atlas games too. I, I, I'm totally, sorry. I'm totally taking this out of context. Okay. Let's move to the women before we run out of time here. Sure. And I do want to talk about Fakowski. Yeah, we Fakowski. Okay, so West Coast Classic Women's Event, Bethany Shadburn in first place. Once again, I, I watched. I, I think I watched that opening of that event. I don't remember seeing her in the, in the video of the, uh, during the first event. Um, it, and she's she's great to look at. Carrie Pierce. I don't remember seeing much of her. Maybe I'm wrong. I did see Danielle Brandon a little bit. Reagan Huckabee, Danny Spiegel. So those are your top five. Oh, and they're not running away with it. Ah, uh, yeah, Bethany Shadburn is running away with it. Uh, Bethany and Carrie are well clear of the f- field. They're eight points ahead, and they have looked, you know, as a totality of uh, body of work, they've just been the best two. Carrie Pierce, that's not that surprising. Bethany Shadburn has been as, as impressive to me as Cole Sager, and not just her, her performances or results on the leaderboard, but the way she's moving. I talked to her after the snatch. I was like, 
she was just standing by herself and I was walking by. I said, Hey, just so you know, like you looked awesome doing that workout. Your shoulders were in such good positions. It was great to see you moving like that. And she was very grateful. She's like, thank you all. I feel good, but it's nice to hear that someone can see that. So I think she is in a bet, like as fit and more in control of herself as an athlete than she's ever been. Interesting that you spoke to her, but when we were talking about the men, let me go back over here. And there was a man I mentioned, and you and you acted like you hadn't. Had, did you talk to Brandon Luckett yesterday? I haven't. I haven't talked to him. Jesus. So he's been injured, and you're speculating on his injury, and you haven't talked to him. But Bethany Shadburn, you talked. Because I don't to. Okay. seek out. I don't seek out these conversations. That was just a random. I wouldn't have talked to her either. She was just okay. standing by herself in just, the hallway, and I happened to walk by. Just a data point for me, buddy. Just a data <laughs> point for me. Okay. So are are you surprised? I mean, she's always been good. Yep. But is this going to change her whole reality now that she's like, oh, my God, look at this field of people and I'm, I'm in and I'm winning? She has to do it at the games. If she does this at the games, if she plays fifth at the games this year, then yes. Then she is up there in the conversation uh, in the caliber of best best female athletes in this sport. Obviously, there's Tia. There's maybe Kara and a couple. And, but she's she's right there. And especially, uh, you know, she's beating Carrie, who's been the fittest in the U.S. for a, a while now. And Bethany's 100 points ahead of fifth place, just to push, put it in context, 98 points, which is... Yeah, but that girl in, in, in sixth place is actually doing incredibly well and still has a chance. A chance. Alexis Raptus? Yeah, she's, I think she uses Training Think Tank for her <laughs> programming. Uh, Morning Chalkup did a little article on her yesterday because I, I told him, I was like, this girl's actually doing well. Once she did well on the ruck run, I think she was third on the ruck and she was fourth on the triple G chipper. She's a little bit of a bigger girl. I was like, damn, this is a, this is, she, you know, she's young, but she's good. Um, the problem is the girls ahead of her are, have too much experience. Danny Spiegel's in fifth and she's taken a, a 27th, which is basically last on the ruck run. Her other placements were second, sixth, fifth, and first. She's not going to, I mean, well, I shouldn't say that there's, there's those deficit handstand pushups looming in the first workout and Danny's a big girl, but Danielle Brandon's a big girl. Alexis Raptus is a big girl. Chloe Wilson and Kelly Stone, who are right behind her, are also big girls. And Sydney Wells, who's in ninth, the only oh shit, <laughs> the only chinks in her armor so far have been are high skill movements. She's That's Brooke Wells' sister right there, sitting yes, in ninth. She was awesome yesterday. So after the first day, I was like, okay, she does. Is the she's, she's is the crowd the losing their shit when she comes out? Yeah, she she uh, she won her heat in that final last night, and it was pretty exciting. Um, everyone was pumped about that. And look at her look at her results yesterday. She was ninth, seventh, and sixth. Those are great finishes. I mean, this is her first real live competition. So if you look at her and you say, "Oh, she didn't do great on the snatch. She didn't do great in the legless rope climbs. Maybe she struggles on the deficit handstand pushups." Those are high end skills. Those are the last things that come around for a top end competitor. She has the work capacity, and she has the determination and ability to fight on the competition floor. So she might actually be someone to watch in years to come. She's not going to make it this year, you know, but she's she has potential. Are you going back to Alexis? I want I want to talk about Sydney Wells, but Alexis Raptus. You said she does Think Tank. That's what Travis Mayer does. Think Tank. Yeah, they have a lot of athletes here actually. And um, you, when you say they're big girls, what do you mean? Because I, I like yeah, it that you say that because I think that makes me think you're going to get torn up on YouTube, and I, and they're, you've they're had way too many nice comments. Year over 150 or over 155 pounds and the average at, at women's athletes usually 145 when you're talking about doing 45 strict deficit handstand push-ups an extra 10 pounds or especially if you're a little bit taller also because usually if you're heavier you're taller the extra range of motion and the extra weight for that particular movement is obviously disadvantageous 
against Danny, someone like Carrie Pierce. Yeah, Danny Spiegel's one sixty eight. Is she and she's five six. That's interesting because she yeah. I mean, they are they all look amazing. I mean, you would never say Oh yeah, it's not to say anything that that's a problem. It's just right. that you know, and we know that in the sport there are certain movements that are gonna be better if you're heavier and there's gonna be better that you're lighter and better if you're shorter and better if you're taller. The key is can you har- can you manage the ones that you're not as good at? And that's what Dallin Pepper told me. He's like, I just have to do damage control on that workout. I know what I can do. I can't get caught up in what Noah and Cole are doing. They're different athletes than me. You talk to Dallin? Uh, someone told me that he said that. God damn it. <laughs> just so you know, we have no authentic information on here. Brian just either speaks to Tommy, Sean, or Armin and gets all his information, and we just steal it from those guys. Um, even though Brian stands closer to the athletes than anyone else, God forbid he talked to them. He doesn't want to be rude. Uh, uh, when, when, when Brian says, just so you know that they're bigger, he is spreading a disease and he is being rude. No, I'm just joking. Listen, people, these people work on their bodies 24 hours a day. We told Jason Hopper, he's huge. Um, when, whenever you work on your body 24 hours a day, your sleep, your feeding, your clothing, the angle in which you brush your teeth, that's open season for us to talk about their bodies. We mean nothing negative by it. Don't be fucking crazy if you think it's wrong to say that. You can say anything you want about these people's bodies without being a scumbag. They're basically racehorses. And they and they should accept and want their bodies to be talked about because they're those are their race cars. So if we see something or notice something, it's okay. It's all it's all it's all, it's all in love. We're just studying these machines, these incredible machines. And they're all so good that you know when I'm breaking down a workout, I have to look and see why does this person <laughs> have the potential to do better than this person? And it could be any number of things. And in some cases, it does come down to body type. Right. And, and we, we even said it to Hopper on the show, like, hey, the test is going to be when you go upside down and you have to do more than five or six or 10 handstand pushups, strict handstand pushups or deficit in a row. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, that going back to Sydney Wells. Why is she? I mean, think of what a competitor she must be. Her sister's already in the sport. She's almost she's kind of getting in the game late. I mean, I, I haven't been paying attention for years but i remember early on that she kind of had no interest in crossfit i mean she was a great supporter of her sister but she was doing track and now she just she's how did she make it to a semifinals so fast what's she been doing well you know she's she was a, a competitive track athlete in college and tia claire toomey's background is in track we've seen track athletes do well in this sport before um and like i said that ability to just line up on a starting line in an individual competition and fight for you know whatever's in front of you in your lane is something that she's been doing her whole life obviously her sister's got a tremendous amount of capacity and we know from the sport that it's not uncommon for siblings to to do well in this sport um how do you have you been to her instagram account no i wonder how if she's just exploding i mean what a cool I mean, she could be like, basically, she could become like the Dan Bailey of the sport, have no go, but be able to, you know, parlay. Yeah. And we can't leave the uh, women's field without at least mentioning Reagan Huckabee. Oh, yeah. She looked, but at the most superficial level, she looked amazing. She, yeah, her, she looks amazing. She's in her mid-30s. She's been doing this a long time. She's a mom. Um, she did great in both the online portions of competition. And I wasn't sure how good she'd do here. I mean, I thought she'd be in the top eight, but she's she's ahead of Danny Speed. And, you know, it's incredible. It's very impressive. She's, let me see if she's had any bad. No, 10th is her worst finish so far. I mean, she's, 34 years old. Yeah, she's awesome. And she's 
most likely going to make the games this year for her fourth time as an individual. She's competed there as a, as a, on a team before as well with Invictus's teams. And yeah, she's awesome. She's, she's smiling. She's happy. She's engaging with people. And I'm really happy for her. Are any of these um, women possible um, podium at the games? Oh, you know what? Um, yeah, I, th- I, I do think that there is an outside chance for all three of the girls from underdog athletics, which is Carrie Pierce, Bethany Shedd, to make the podium at the games. I would say it's like, like I said, 25% chance or less. Danielle Brandon, to me, is actually the most scary of the three. She just needs to get her mindset right. And I think she would say that, too. She knows that if she can, like, and, I, you know, she's had her up and ups and downs this weekend in terms of, of performance. But she's rallied mentally, and I think she's moving in the right direction. So I think she might actually be the best at the games, even though she's not doing the best this weekend. Okay, let's talk some shit about Matt O'Keefe and Dylan. <laughs> Um, tell me all the bad shit about the games. Like, are you seeing needles in the locker room? Are the events starting late? Has O'Keefe shown up drunk a few times, stumbling around? Like, what's going on? How's the event? Um, I, it's it's. I, I think it's been good. The programming yesterday to me was very in, impressive as a whole. You know, to to have a, a workout like the Ruck Run is a risk. Uh, it's gonna be. It's gonna especially when it's so hot in in Vegas as it is. But they moved it into the morning. And it was brutal. I mean, a lot of athletes were in bad shape after that, but they gave them a break in competition, which is, um, which is warranted so that they could come back and, and test them. Are you able to recover in a four hour window and perform, you know, tough workouts? And then the finale was great. It was a, it was a, you know, a sprint workout, three minutes, you know, Dave was, is notorious, famous for doing workouts like that at the end of regionals that are super high drama and excitement. Danny Spiegel and Daniel Brandon had perhaps the closest finish we've ever seen in a competition. Three tenths of a second. They were chasing each other down. They were the two athletes that I thought would win that event. They performed exactly like I wanted them to and like they needed to. And then the men's race was like everyone was finishing at the same time. It was it was a great day of competition. Um, the one kind of if I was going to pick pick apart something from yesterday would be the ruck run for the teams. Um, if you look at the leaderboard, one team finished under the time cap. Two teams say cap, cap, and then all the rest of the teams say cap plus one. They were all on the last run. So I think they just needed to extend the time cap for the teams relative to the individuals. They addressed that very professionally, I think, with the teams after the competition because they they realized in the middle of it that what they'd briefed was going to end up being an issue because team that and but they um, they told athletes, they said the teams, they said, you know, you're frustrated with the way that this ended up. But we have to stay true to what we briefed you guys on. We'll make it. We'll, we'll we'll try to improve next time, and I believe that they will. Who cares if they all capped? Because um, let's just say. So for, there, I'll give you an example. There was a team that was in first place after lap three, and lap three was the last checkpoint for a fifteen hundred meters. Uh, but that last lap with four people holding a rope and a, a total of two hundred forty pounds of weight is going to take ten to fifteen minutes. So you have no checkpoint to go back to. That's within 12 minutes of the finish of the workout, which means you're, if you were in the first place and you finish and you go out after lap three, this, this happened. The team in first place had a girl who was struggling with the heat, several teams passed them, but none of those teams made it back to the next checkpoint. And so they finished ahead of all of them on the leaderboard and got more points, even though their performance over the totality of 40 minutes was worse. They were further away from the finish line at, at the end of the workout. But I don't I did, think that you I didn't exactly back. understand that. I don't know if I need to, but but I do understand but I do understand what you're saying. You're saying that 
between the last checkpoint that denotes what place you're in and the final, the finish line, mm-hmm. there was a 1500 meter stretch. Yeah. So was there a four way tie for first place? No, because there were tie breaks and your tie break was your third lap chip time. So oh, you, so, okay. So if you were the first team to cross lap three and you just sat down on the course for the whole time, knowing, well, none of these teams are going to finish oh, anyway, yeah. you still get more points than them. Did anyone do that? Not on purpose. One team had to because one of their girls couldn't finish. So she couldn't. Oh, oh now I understand what you're saying. So I understand what you're saying. But none of them made it to the next checkpoint because it was so far away and everyone got time capped. So that team got more points than all the other teams that had passed them on the last lap. That's wow. Not, no, so, so I just want to be clear. Like, that's not how it should be. You should be rewarded for your performance. However, right. once you brief the athletes that these are the rules, you cannot go back after the competition and say, actually, we're going to change the rules and give these teams different points. But that's, and especially this week, to me, that is critical because CrossFit made a different decision last week on the online competition. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know if I agree with you. I see what you're saying, but I think the most important thing is is to get the best person to the games, even if it means someone's feelings were hurt or they they I, it, 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 like you're 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 putting all the integrity on the event in one place when maybe it shouldn't be, maybe it shouldn't be there. If you lay out a set of rules, then the athletes and coaches have the opportunity to execute within that that, that those parameters. If you change the parameters after they've already performed mm. then there, i see what you're saying to me, that's a gray area i see what you're saying unless you change it on every uh yeah anyway another competition another conversation you know there was an event at the crossfit games one year and i and i this is back in carson and i'm, I'm going to screw it up a little bit maybe you know this story but there were basically there was a workout where there was like 70 pull-ups 70 pull-ups and like 120 thrusters and Dave announced it wrong. He switched the two. So it ended up being 120 thrusters and 70 pull-ups. Like he reversed it. And he announced it in the whole do you know do you know what I'm talking about? I'm not sure I do. It was in the um it was in the outdoor stadium. And the whole time he's saying it, I, I think as I recall, Adrian Bosman is like yelling at him from far, Dave, Dave, like screaming at him, letting him know he's fucking it up. And I don't know if this this is how I remember it. Maybe I'm wrong, but basically Dave announces it. The athletes start. Adrian comes over. He's like, dude, you said it wrong. And Dave's basically like, I don't like, I don't remember exactly how it done, but it was fucking hilarious. It didn't affect the event. And and he's like, you said, he just stuck with it. They just changed the games on the fly right there. I mean, this is like in 2010 and basically the thrusters and the uh, pull-up numbers just got reversed and it was awesome. It was a testament to how good the athletes are. They didn't, you know what I mean? They just (laughs) 70 thrusters, 120 thrusters, 70 pull-ups, 120 pull-ups, whatever, get some. Yeah, man, the athletes are going to do, they're going to do their best no matter what you tell them to do. But once you say this is what you got to do and this is how we're going to judge you on it, I think you have to adhere to that. Yeah. Um, anything else you want to say here about the women before we move on to the Atlas games? Uh, no, I think, you know, the five girls in the top five are probably, probably going to remain and will all be excellent representatives at the games that they do. How happy are you that you're there? Are you just stoked? I mean, we're always being critical and picking and, and is it just like if someone came with their, like if I came with my kids and my wife, would I be stoked? Is it fun? Is there cool places to sit down? Nice people? 
Oh yeah, there, uh, this is a good. This is a good. I don't know if they'll ever use this venue again, but it's a good venue. There's a space for the vendor village. You can go around between events and you know buy some stuff, do some challenges at the U.S. Army Warrior Fitness thing or whatever you want. Um, the every seat in the in the arena is has a great you know perspective of the floor. There's space for media to get around. The athletes have their own space. Uh, it's a great venue for a competition like this. So it's cool. Yeah, that's good to hear. Um, Atlas Games, Patrick Vellner in first place, Jeffrey Adler second, Samuel Cornhole in third, Alex Vinny in fourth, and Tyler Christopher Christophel, Christophel in fifth. Oh, God, I wish sixth place was in first place. What an easy name, Phil Toon. <laughs> and then in seventh place, we have, oh, that's almost like Spittoon. And then in seventh place, we have Brent Fikowski. He's actually 102 points behind Patrick Vellner. I don't care how far he is behind Vellner. How far is, is he behind Christopher? Uh, he is 35 points behind fifth place. Yeah. So, I mean, F- Friendly Fran is the worst workout Fikowski could ever hope to see in an online competition like this. They probably did that on purpose to weed him out. The singular worst thing for Fukowski is high, bo- high volume of pull-ups. He'll manage bar muscle-ups and ring muscle-ups better than he'll manage pull-ups or chest bar pull-ups. And thrusters at a light weight like that, that's one of those movements where Fukowski's never going to beat Josh Bridges on a thruster workout unless the weight's too heavy for Bridges because the range of motion is too much. So I knew he would do bad on that workout and he'd be in a hole to start the weekend. Workout two, he didn't do as well as I thought he'd do. I thought he could finish top five there. I think he was like 13. And as soon as I saw that, I was like, he's not going to make it. And the reason why I don't think he's going to make it is because the last workout of the weekend, Gretel, is a workout I think should never be programmed in an online competition. In a live competition, I don't have as much a problem with it. Like if it was a finale or a regional because you can move the, the bar down the floor. There's just a lot of different elements with judging. Will you tell them what the workout is? It's the... It's the- 10-minute workout or 10-round workout, right? Yeah, it's three. It's grace plus 30 burpees. It's three clean and jerks, three burpees over the bar, 10 rounds per time. Let me tell you how arrogant CrossFitters are. I go, will you tell him the workout, what Gretel is? And he goes, yeah, it's grace with this. I'm like, Jesus Christ. <laughs> but say it a little uh, slower, a little slower, Brian. I know we're in a hurry, but not everyone computes at your processing yeah. power. What is Gretel? Three clean and jerks, 135 pounds for the men, 95 pounds for the women, three bar-facing burpees, 10 rounds for time. So is that a sprint? These, yes, it's a, everything you got until you can't feel your body and then keep going for three minutes. Um, and the, and the problem is for here, for, for Brent is he's incredibly strong. He can move the barbell. Great. He's and he can manage burpees in big sets better than just about anything. But this is again, range of motion matters. You got to get the bar from ground to overhead and you're five, seven compared to six, three, you have the same work capacity, the 5'7 guy is going to win. If you got to get your body off the ground and over a bar 30 times, and you're 5'7 compared to 6'3, the 5'7 guy is going to be faster. A lot of these guys have the same work capacity within a three-minute window, and that's just not, it's, you know, it's a great test. There's a place for it. I don't like it in the online format, um, and I don't like it for Fukowski. So I think he's gonna- why, do, uh, why don't you like it in the online format? Um, I like, th- I just like that test better when there's an ability to advance down the floor. I think it makes it a, a little bit, it, it gives a little bit more possibility for some, some things to happen that can 
allow a guy to just execute more cleanly and make up for a range of motion limitation or something like that. Now, I could be totally wrong. We might, you know, we might see him smash that workout. Um, but I just have a feeling that it's going to, it's not going to be enough. It's not going to be enough. However, that's not the reason why I, I thought he would make it when I saw the totality of workouts. He didn't do well enough on workout two. And that's why I think he's going to be out. He did great on yesterday's workouts, moved from 15th up to seven. He should do amazing on this rowing leg or rope climb and legless rope climb and handstand walking workout. So he, you know, if we could see the leaderboard after event five, which we won't be able to see, he might be sitting in fifth place. Even he could win that workout. He probably will win that workout. But if if he, if just like you know Jason Hopper, he you froze on me. Just so you know, I'm just pretending like I'm listening now, so that he might. But you see, just like Jason Hopper, and you froze. Yeah, he might be very close time-wise to the best time in that workout, but it's such small margins for time that it might be a you know a fifteenth placement. Did I hear you say that he might win workout five? That's the one, the rowing one and the handstand walk. Yeah, he's great at handstand walking. He's a world class at legless rope climbs, and he's a good rower. So you he's think long. he's gonna? Sh- you think that he's gonna shit the bed so hard and 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 workout six? No, that- no, I think he's gonna do the absolute best that he could possibly do on that workout, and it's not gonna be enough. Interesting. Well, well, let's talk about fourth and fifth place. How do they do in workout five and six? Uh, you're so you're saying that Alex and Tyler, Alex Vin- Vigneault, pronounce his name for me. Alex Vigneault is a very similar body type to Fukowski, um, but he's got a big points cushion on. Him. And Tyler Christoffel is a shorter, strong, smaller power athlete who could be top five in that workout. With great hair. Wow, he's got great hair. And Christoffel. Uh- I, I, I love Tyler Christoffel. He, I think he used to compete with CrossFit 417. He always does pretty well on online competitions, and he never lives up to that standard or, or ranking when it comes to live competitions. Dude, so, a- Alex is, does not have the same body as Brett Vikowski. What are you talking about? He's, he's over six feet tall, and he's over 210 pounds. That's right. Oh, my God. Fikowski is 217 pounds? Yeah, and he's lean. That is insane. God, I had no idea he was that big. I would have guessed he's 195, 6'2", 195. That's incredible. Just says what I know about people. So you're saying what Alex and Tyler, Alex who's in fourth and Tyler who's in fifth, are going to do well enough to fight off Fikowski. That's your prediction. That's a bold prediction. Okay. Um. You, and uh, Patrick Vellner is just going to take first. Keep going. Run. He's just going to run away with it. The top three right now are the three I projected top three before this competition began. Not everyone knows Samuel Cornway as well as Adler and Vellner, but those three guys are very well-rounded um, and should have no problem staying in the top three spots. Did Brent see the programming and go, oh, shit, this fucking weekend is has is basically – sandwiched on either end with two workouts that are going to make this damn near impossible for me. One of the things I think is the biggest conversation that needs to be had around semifinals is how many tests are there going to be? Because to me, and I've spoken to several people here this weekend who have the same sentiment, there's a big difference in a six event competition and a seven event competition. I think if there were seven events, he would make the games. Uh, what do you think? Do you have a, do you have a, a, a preference for how many workouts there should be? For, for the qualifier to the CrossFit Games, I think it should be at least seven. Wow. I think seven is actually is a great number. 
because it's half as many events as, as the CrossFit Games, roughly. Yeah, I mean, you could it, say that about six, up, too. Yeah, and then if you have two workouts that are under five minutes, you can offset them with two workouts that are you know 20 and 30 minutes or something like that a little bit more easily, and you still have a space for a strength event if you want a strength event. It just it, it makes it a little bit easier to program workouts that can skew the leaderboard. And there's nothing wrong with workouts that skew the leaderboard. You need to test everything. But you know, to me, if you have the opportunity to have six tests or seven and you're trying to get the best guys to the games, do seven tests. Um, I'm so, sorry, I'm switching as, as we run out of time here. I'm switching to the women's um, leaderboard in, for the Atlas Games. I'm singularly focused on third place, Carolyn Prevost. I'm singularly focused on second place, Sydney McAlish. Okay, I don't know who that is. Tell me why. Sydney and also and actually several athletes. I think there were over a dozen athletes that took at least two minute penalties on workout number two in this workout. Some of whom have posted some stuff about it. And again, this is that, that double dumbbell movement workout would be totally different in live competition than in a gym because we know from the workout at the games in 2019, for example, with the double kettlebell shoulder to overhead, that athletes were getting a ton of no reps. But it's really different to get no reps while the workout is happening than to get suddenly a two-minute penalty 24 hours after you did the workout. And that, and that mentally messes with people a little differently. She's only 21 years old. This is the girl that would have qualified. She was competing at Wadapalooza in the RX division, which is the second division at Wadapalooza. She won it. If she had been competing in the elite division, which was like Tia Claire Toomey, Sarah Sigmund's daughter, like tons of games athletes, she would have placed seventh, which would have qualified her to the games that year. Wow. And, I, and then she was slated to compete at Atlas Games. She's going to try to make a run at the games anyway. And it got canceled. The whole season got canceled. So no one knew who she was. So I have been super excited to see her compete and see if she's actually that good. And so far she has been. Um, how is she going to do in the fifth and sixth event? Because I bet you Carolyn Prevost, am I saying her name right? I, I think she's going to do. Prevo? Yeah. She's going to do incredible on in that last event. I mean, that, that's she's made to go. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think I, I think um, the three girls in first right now, barring any crazy, crazy penalty situations, Mackenzie Riley, Sydney McKellishan, and Carolyn Prevo, and I, I and honestly Emily Rolf, who I think is in fourth, I think they'll all make the games. What's Carolyn's weakness? Is it strength? I don't, I don't know what her upper end strength is. Um, I think she's pretty well rounded. I think she's get she's like a dangerous top 10 threat at the games, even in a loaded women's field. I would, you know, she's, I want to, I'm really excited to see her at the games and see her, what she looks like over the totality of, you know, 13 tests. Um, I think more reasonable for her this year at the games is like 15th to 20th. But if she has a great weekend that she could be pushing for 10. And she's the kind of p- person who can ruin other people's days. You know what I mean? Like someone who wants to do well or she can push the pace to a point where she makes other people who really have a chance to win the games uncomfortable. She's really a remarkable athlete. If you don't follow her on Instagram, you should. Her posts are crazy. Do you follow her? Yeah, of course. Yeah, she's amazing. Um, Anything else you want to talk about this? The, the women's? I don't, I don't recognize any of these people's names, so I'm kind of over it. Who's in fifth, sixth, seventh? Uh, fifth place is Annika Greer with a very interesting name of Annika. Oh, spelling of Annika. And uh, six is Alexis Johnson. A lot of Alexis. Oh, seventh place, China Cho here. You know Alexis Johnson. Alexis and China, obviously, are are games veterans. Um, 
So I don't I don't recognize Alexis. I'm looking just at her little tiny picture. But China chose in it. I mean, she's six points out of qualifying. It's I think it's really tight on that women's leaderboard from like maybe even from like third to tenth is really tight, like twenty points or something. So there could be I mean, there could be a ton of shakeup in the leaderboard. The reason why I think Emily Rolf and Carolyn Prevo will still make it is because I just think they're that good. Yeah, hey, you're absolutely right. Th- this is really tight. 11th place has 270 points, and 5th place has 285, and 4th place has 288. Holy shit, this is... A matter of fact... And now you, uh, throw, Gret- you throw that workout Gretel into the mix. And we, and, and we know 5 seconds, 10 seconds can be 5 or 10 places in that workout. So, I mean, even though I'm saying these girls are probably going to make it, Anything can happen in a workout like that, especially when you don't get to do it against your competitors. You just start doing it blind in your gym. It makes it exciting, that's for sure, right? Not as exciting as it'd be if they were lining up and we knew that all these girls on the floor. Co- correct. You know. I'm, I'm, just, I'm just standing up for the workout. Like Some people might be like, oh, the five seconds shouldn't determine whether you go to the games or not. And it's like, yeah, it should. But you're right. It would be amazing if they were all next to each other. I agree. I would like the workout a lot better live as a finale. And yes, the drama would be super high. Um, anything else you want to talk about before I export this and get this up and, and we make $6 on YouTube? The Russians are killing it in Asia. Oh, great. Okay, let's do that. Let's look over there. Uh, CF Asia Invitational. The Met. Whoo. Yes, they are. Can those men come to the United States? Are the Russians going to have any issues coming here? I know they've had issues in the past. Well, Roman won't be able to get to the United States. But the other two guys, Alexander Illin and Stas Solodov, they should be fine. I mean, well, assuming that any athletes can get to the United States. Illin has competed at the Games before. Stas Solodov's a Masters athlete. He's already made it to the Games this year. Um, so, you know, I, I would expect that if athletes are able to travel internationally to the United States, that both of those guys would be able to come, but we won't get to see Roman in the United States. And, and, and do you know why that is? I feel like we've talked about this before and you always avoid talking about it. I will do that again. Okay. So Roman's in first place. He's tied for first place with 348 with, with a guy named Stas Solodov and Alexander Illin is in third place with 342. Very close. Yeah. There's another guy who's not Russian, but he has a Russian name, Denis Samsonov. He's in fourth. Let's just say he's Russian. What flag is that? That's an incredible flag. Is it Bahrain? Oh, Kyrgyzstan. Kyrgyzstan? Kyrgyzstan. And uh, fifth place is Mortezes Sidgat. He sounds like a UFC fighter. What, what, what? You want to say his name? The only reason I wanted to bring up Asia was so you could say these names. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> what What is that guy's name? I'm not sure. I'm not looking at it. Okay. Oh, and he's from Iran. Uh, 312 points. Oh, man, and in sixth place, we have another Russian. And in eighth place, we have another Russian. Oh, is CrossFit exploding in Russia? Go look at the women's leaderboard. Incredible. Are, are any of these people podium threats? Uh, No. Not, not, okay. not the men. Roman would be the best chance at the games to get into the top 10, but that is what it is. Um, there's a Japanese competitor in fifth place, Yuko Sakuyama. What's her history with the games? In second place, isn't there? There is. There yeah, is. So the, and, and probably first, third, and fifth are Russians. 
Correct. Uh, first, third, and fourth. First, third, and fourth. Excuse me. Um, yeah, yeah. So all those, all five of those girls, like uh, I, I kind of know who they are in Asia. Uh, well, I, I shouldn't say I know who they are. They were the five girls that I was expecting to be towards the top in Asia. Um, and I was hoping that someone that wasn't Russian would make it from Asia because I actually really enjoyed watching the, I, I don't know what to call them, the Oriental Asian athletes, like the South Koreans, the Japanese. I don't, I don't think you're allowed to say that word, but go on. How do you distinguish the ones that are from Eastern Asia from Western Asia? It doesn't matter until the podcast gets huge. So just keep, <laughs> just keep feeling around in the dark. But I, but like those athletes, they had just have different body types and it was cool to see some different body types that were still capable of doing all these movements at the games in 2019. Um, and, and, and a couple of those girls have competed at the sanctionals, you know, in Asia when they were there the last two seasons and have showed potential. So I'm hopeful that one of them can get in, but, but the three Russian girls that are up there are also going to be rookies if they make the game. So either way, we're going to get newcomers. I shouldn't say some of them have been there in 2019, but I kind of consider that an outlier. So they'll be their first year to be able to compete at the games in the full spectrum of a games test. When you say different body types, don't forget about the guy who just um, qualified, the guy who pushes hay with the mullet. Colton Mertens. Yeah, 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 yeah. If he, yeah, all body types, all body types, Brian. Don't be. No, it's awesome. I, don't be. Pre- don't be prejudiced. You can get a guy who's, you know. 10 inches and 50 pounds lighter lining up and throwing down against the, the other end of the spectrum. Yeah. in in different, in different ratios of leg to torso and arm and, and hair and hair. Yes. Um, how many, do we know how many affiliates there are in Japan? It's always, I love seeing someone from Japan there because I know CrossFit is not, or traditionally it wasn't very popular in Japan. And I just love to see it you know, creep into a community that loves movement so much into a country that loves movement so much. I, I, I don't know those numbers. And they have two. And then look at this guy from Israel. Look at his name. Imagine his name is or, or her name. Okay, Sorry. Her name. Yeah. Yeah. There, yeah. There what a actually, great name. Or yeah, I know that I know a couple of the, uh, Israeli athletes. There's two women, Nicole Patel and or Cohen. And there's two guys, Etan Lieberman and Ram Dover that are in this competition. They're good. Uh, they're good, and uh, but I don't think they're as good as the uh, you know the, the Russian athletes, not yet at least. Man, there's a Syrian here, Brunei, and that's cool. I I like like I do like the continental structure of the semifinals where you get athletes from different com- countries at these qualifier events. They need the experience, and then you, the live competition experience counts for something. And then you'll see them come back year after year, and maybe one of these will break through eventually. And maybe we'll get even more representation from those countries as it continues to grow there. I mean, that's speculative, but we'll see. But this isn't a live event, right? No. Yeah, that's a shame. If there, I haven't really cared anywhere, but that's a shame, especially when you have these communities that are in their infancy. This is, they're the ones who really need the live event because that would that would really generate more energy and love around the sport. Next is year, this a sport? Next year will happen. I would you call CrossFit a sport? Yeah. Is it a lifestyle? Yes. Is it a fitness methodology? No. Health methodology? Life methodology? Is it a cult? I think you could say yes to all of those. Is there anything else you want to add to this? As I give me, how about a dark horse pick for this West Coast Classic? Who's someone who you're like, oh shit, they with two days left, they can still just screw screw shit up. Matt Poulin. <laughs> 
Matt Poulin was like the fifth or sixth seeded male out of the quarterfinals in this field. And I've talked about how deep this field is. But I knew nothing about him. I talked to him. I did talk to him, Savan. I talked to a guy. Of course you did. I talked to him on uh, Thursday at Athlete Check-In. And um, just kind of, uh, I was like, hey, man, I don't recognize who you are. You know, and he told me who he was. And I said, oh, oh, I I do know, recognize you by name. And I'm excited to see you compete this weekend. I asked him if there were any workouts in particular that he knew he could do well on. And he said the ruck run would probably be his best workout. And it was. I think he finished, oh, fourth. Well, he actually finished third in the Triple G Chipper also. And I, and uh, he's he's not a big dude. Like he's a, a well built five ten one ninety type guy. He might do well on this handstand push up workout. And if Dallin Pepper really struggles with it, or Brandon Luckett's elbow is bothering him, he could potentially sneak in there and be right there with the just the finale to go. Yeah, that's incredible. Uh, I mean, Three hundred seventeen like points. Like, I would love. To, uh, we we need someone like that to root for. Yeah, and we've had. I mean, guys like this have been making it. You know, we had Zach Watts, we had Colton Mertens, we've seen some women get in there that most people don't know who they are, and Ariel Lowen. So it could happen. It definitely could happen. I didn't, we didn't talk about him earlier, but if you want a dark horse, he could be a, an unknown guy to make a move today and possibly, possibly do it. And when you say he's not a big guy, when you say Matt Poulin is not a big guy, he, I mean, but he is, he's the right size, 25, 10, 195. I mean, that's the size, right? That's the game's that's winner that. size. That's the average size of a top 10 athlete at the games over the last seven years. Yeah. Isn't that amazing? He's, he's five to seven pounds lighter than what Matt Fraser competes at. And yet five, four to five inches taller. Yeah. Matt's Matt's are like a bowling ball, bro. Dense. Yeah. But it's weird when you, when you stand next to him, it doesn't seem like that. Like I never stood next to him and been like, Oh shit, I'm standing next to like, you know what I mean? I've never felt like he's, no, no, I didn't. I don't think I don't disproportional when I stand next to him or Rich. But when I bumped up against them, like we were, I was in a booth with him at, with Fraser at Wadapalooza one time, and I just, you know, we were rubbing shoulders, just standing close, and I was like, "Wow, there's like, there's no give here." Right, that's for sure. And Rich is the same way. I went to a thing with him years ago and took a picture next to him, just put my arm around him, and I felt like I was putting my arm on like a marble statue or something. Yeah, yeah, it's that's always weird. All the all the CrossFit men and women are like that. When you hug them, you don't even feel like you're hugging a woman. You're like, wow, this Dude, is just like a hugging guy, a rock. There's a guy. It here literally who, is weird. There's a guy here from the Northeast who won the Wadapalooza Strong Competition two years ago when I was working it, mm-hmm. and he was like, "Oh, Brian, friend," and I gave me a hug, and like I, I thought he might have cracked a rib. Like he it's, hurt you? Like he hugged you too tight? He's just so freaking strong. He can he can just put an 800 pound yoke on his back and walk across the floor. With and he's not, and he doesn't look like he could, but he's just so dense, so built. Did you watch any of the UFC fights last night? Uh, they were on at the restaurant we were at, just kind of in the corner. I didn't really watch too closely. Did you rub shoulders with any big names last night? Was it Matt O'Keefe where you were? No, I went out with the morning chalk up guys. Oh, I'm sorry. I mean, just because it sounds like work. No, no, we were just eating steaks and drinking beers. Yeah, good dudes. You guys are all good dudes. Tell those guys, tell, give everyone over there a hug for me. Slap someone on the ass. Are we done here? I think so.